we do everything there is to reduce our carbon output every year. Every year we work on it. Every year we lessen it. And the biggest thing we do is that we produce less. I think it's also what really allows me to kind of stay my course in an industry that is very much driven by new, 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 right? And I'm very comfortable in that space of creating fewer and better. You're listening to the Good Dirt Podcast. This is a place where we dig into the nitty gritty of sustainable living through food, fashion, and lifestyle. And we're your hosts, Mary and Emma Kingsley, the mother and daughter founder team of Lady Farmer. We're sowing seeds of slow living through our community platform, events, and online marketplace. We started this podcast as a means to share the wealth of information and quality conversations that we're having in our world as we dream up and deliver ways for each of us to live into the new paradigm, one that is regenerative, balanced, and whole. We want to put the microphone in front of the voices that need to be heard the most right now. The farmers, the dreamers, the designers, and the doers. So come cultivate a better world with us. We're so glad you're here. Now, let's dig in. Hello, good morning. Good morning on this really, really beautiful sunny morning. I think I think spring finally is here. It's come and gone a lot, but I hope now it's here to stay. Yay. Yeah. Do you have anything to share and tell for this week? We've started doing these share and tells. And I noticed that when I listen back, sometimes it sounds like share intel, which is <laughs> not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but for anyone listening, so there's share intel. You can look at it that way. We yeah. were thinking like show and tell. So do you have anything to share and tell this morning? I do. It's kind of related to something I shared the other day. I think I talked about gathering the dandelion greens and the garlic mustard for my salads, but I did something this week that was really quick and delicious that I wanted to add to that. So I went out and got the dandelions and some nettle. I've got a nice nettle patch in the back of the yard, and some of you might be familiar with this weed, wild herb, but really, really super nutritious food. And uh, you have to be careful when you harvest it because it does sting. So I put on my gloves and long sleeves and went out there and took a bunch and brought it in and threw it in the pan with some dandelion greens and some avocado oil. And I sauteed it up and a little bit of garlic salt, of course. And then when it got about maybe halfway cooked, I just cracked a couple of eggs straight in it and kept stirring. And within, you know, a couple of minutes, it made this beautiful, nutritious, quick, full meal that we just sat down and enjoyed like I'd been cooking for hours or something. It was really a nice day and, you know, nobody wanted to come in and get too involved in the kitchen. So it was, it was just a perfect little meal. So I encourage people to try that if you're you need a really quick supper and you can, you know, use any green spinach and from your garden or not, or, you know, from your CSA or wherever you shop, just saute up some greens for a couple minutes, throw a couple eggs in there, maybe an egg per person or whatever you want. And we did not happen to have any cheese on hand, but when I do, I'll certainly add that. 
And that's my share and tell. Yum. What about you? Well, that just ran across this morning, so I'm not going to say the name of the company yet because it's not fully researched, but have you ever heard of paper yarn? I have not. That sounds really exciting. Yeah. So it was actually an ad that was pushed to me through some various platform for socks made out of paper yarn. From what I can tell, it's out of Japan and uh, Japan has a long history of using paper in building and clothing and, you know, like it's obviously not like writing paper, it's different types of paper. And there's a method where you can create tiny little strips and then you can turn it into yarn. And so... Yeah, there's this company that's making socks out of paper yarn, and they do have to be combined with other materials. So whether it's organic cotton or recycled cotton or or recycled polyester, you know, because it's hard to make socks and other stretchy things with zero polyester. I am just interested in this as a base. And oh, and the paper comes from manila hemp, the plant, the hemp plant in Japan. Wow. This sounds really interesting. Let's keep looking into it. I know. So, really quickly, we do have a fun shout out. We are shouting out Wanda Stewart and Common Vision, which is an organization that advocates for food justice in the San Francisco Bay Area. So, this is from a good dirt listener. Wanda Stewart inspired me to really start growing my own food in my yard, contributing to community gardens, especially the one at my child's school and constantly advocating for healthier and more sustainable living regardless of economic bracket. She goes above and beyond to include everyone and anyone she comes across in this education and organizes free healthy food giveaways across West Oakland to some of the communities that need it most. Wow, Wanda, you sound amazing. Come yeah. on the podcast. Email us. Yes, please do. We would love to talk to you about this. I also love how she's in the Bay Area, and our interview guest today is also, well, not Bay Area, but Northern California. So we're all about Northern California today. That's fun. (laughs) Do you want to introduce our guest, Mom? This is a really interesting interview. When we say the good dirt is related to everything, we mean it, and that includes even skincare. Our guest today is April Gargiulo. She's founder of Vintner's Daughter. It's a skincare company that takes the sourcing of their ingredients all the way down to the soil. At Vintner's Daughter, they approach ingredient sourcing through the lens of terroir, a concept deeply ingrained in April's fine wine making background. So if you haven't heard of it, terroir is defined as the combination of factors, including soil, climate, and sunlight that gives wine grapes their distinctive character. And we were really fascinated by the parallels drawn between growing wine for grapes and plants for skincare. And we're super impressed by the level of intentionality of this company. Yeah, for example, Vintner's Daughter works to offset carbon emissions through forest protection efforts in partnership with the Conservation Fund. And they partner with an organization called Vitamin Angels to provide pregnant mothers and children with life-changing vitamins. And they have other projects that include digging wells in developing countries, fully funding homes in Haiti in the wake of natural disasters, providing meals to children impacted by the school closings due to COVID-19, and providing books, blankets, and toys to homeless children. So their impact is vast. And she's so, so committed, as you'll hear in the interview, to the sourcing of the product itself, the impact of the product on the consumer, and then, of course, the impact of the company on her community. If you've listened to this podcast, 
we do end up talking a lot about all the broken systems and all the things that need to be fixed and the great need for change in modern life. So we're really excited when we're introduced to companies that can be held up as models for really true paradigm shift. And we're so happy today to feature this woman-owned business demonstrating such forward thinking and positive practices in the skincare industry and in the world. So here is April Gargiulo to tell us all about Vintner's Daughter. I'm April Gargiulo. I'm the founder and CEO of Vintner's Daughter. Vintner's Daughter is a nutritional skincare company. We produce two very performance-driven whole plant skincare products, active treatment essence and active botanical serum. And, you know, my background is not in beauty. My background is actually in fine winemaking. My family makes wine in Napa Valley still today. And so it was very much that ethos around quality and craftsmanship that led me to create a skincare company like Fitner's Daughter that sits on that same philosophical foundation of creating products that are driven by incredible quality sourcing, meticulous craftsmanship so that in the case of skincare, so that can have this extraordinary connection with the skin and really drive incredible performance. I love this because we just talked to a winemaker. We had an episode yeah. with a vintner, I guess you would say. Vintner. The vintner is the winemaker, right? I'm not the winemaker, but I am a vintner because I have a company that makes wine. Mm. But I, thankfully for anyone who enjoys Gargiulo Vineyards wines, I am in fact not the winemaker. So <laughs> the two can be the same sometimes, but they can often be two, you know, distinct individuals. Oh, also. that makes sense. So we just had them on. And the whole time that we've been doing this Lady Farmer project, we wanted to draw the connection between our clothes and the soil because mm. we started as a sustainable apparel brand and sort of one of the first connections we made in that journey was oh you know what else is really connected to the soil is wine and it's everything yes it's everything. and then everything yeah. is the soil we've had some skincare people on the podcast we're very into natural skincare but I've never made the connection between wine and skincare and so I feel like yeah. this is closing a loop for me <laughs> that is just fits Oh, I good. love it. Soil, <laughs> wine, wine, skin. skin. <laughs> well, I don't know that any other skincare company would draw the line no, between yeah. wine and skincare, but, <laughs> but we've done it here me, today. <laughs> it, yeah, certainly for me, it was what allowed me to see things in a, a different light. I had struggled with my skin all my life. I had like cystic acne and pigmentation and then everything that comes along as you get older and was using what I thought were the finest products. They were certainly some of the most expensive products. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I was pregnant with my first daughter that I started looking at all the ingredients like you do when you're a first time mom. And I was shocked to realize that these so-called luxury products I was using were really in my mind, anything, but they were 0.01% active ingredient. The rest was filler. That filler was really low quality, oftentimes toxic. And again, you know, coming from where I was coming from, you know, practically every grain of dirt is considered in the winemaking process, right? You're considering quality at every step in the process. There's no such thing as shortcuts. There's no such thing as cutting corners. You're creating something that you hope someone's going to enjoy in 20, 30, 40, 50 and on years, right? So the level, like the standards at which you have to maintain the quality is so extreme. And that was my definition of luxury, right? So mm -hmm. that, that was how I grew up. You know, I didn't talk about luxury as a kid, obviously it wasn't anything we ever talked about, but that really informed my vision of luxury. And when I realized that these products I was using that again, had these insane price tags were not anything close to what I thought of as luxury. That was the genesis of Vintner's Daughter. How do I create 
a skincare company that sits and shares those same philosophical foundations by winemaking. Yeah. Wow. So would you call that your aha moment? Absolutely. I mean, there was, interestingly, I was always very conscious of everything I brought into my house from food to cleaning products, to clothes, to everything. But because I was always dealing with some sort of skin thing, I kind of had my head in the sand about my skincare, to be Mm. honest. And so I wasn't looking at these ingredients thinking that they were going to be kind of clean and green. Like I knew that wasn't going to be the case, but I had no idea how cheap and low quality they were. You know what I mean? Like now I recognize that the two really go hand in hand, but at the time I just thought, oh, wow, you know, I just paid $200 for this bottle and it cost about 10 cents for them to make. Oh my God. So that's from, you know, you can look at it from kind of a social perspective and how it's made and where it's made and the people and communities that are affected by that production of those raw materials or even the actual kind of assembling of the product, right? Or the, you can look at it from the packaging. Like a lot of these packages are made out of, well, not a lot of them, almost all of them are made out of plastic, non-recycled plastic. And anyway, it goes on and on, right? So in this small bottle of whatever it was, $300 cream, the impact it was having, the negative impact it was having both on my skin and the environment and social communities was just too much for me to overlook anymore. That's really cool that you said that you had pretty much always had this consciousness around all of these other things in your life. Mm -hmm. Where do you think that came from just like sort of general like going back even before the skincare stuff like tell us a little bit about you yeah okay so that's my family that's napa that's my dad growing up you know i california i'm the, son, I'm the daughter of a farmer okay ultimately and so i mean i grew up in a household where like i begged for chef boyardee like pasta in a can <laughs> yes and my dad was like have no absolutely not as he was sort of cranking the hand pasta maker right i mean oh he grew gosh. everything that we ate made everything that we ate so that was just just the world that I grew up in. And certainly that was in my household, but also Napa upholds that. The Napa community upholds that um, in so many different ways. So it was just how I, what I was surrounded with. I was really lucky and fortunate and grateful to be surrounded by that ecosystem of of really respect for, for the earth. Yeah. And so you say that you had your head in the sand about the skincare stuff. Why do you think there was a disconnect? Because at the time, remember at the time, like the only place you could go shop for kind of like clean or green products was like the health food store. Yeah. Really? Right. And then also at the time, everyone, there was this idea that you had to, I mean, actually, I think it's pretty prevalent still today. There was this idea that you had to have like 15 or 16 or 17 different steps that, right. That like chemical, like doctor, things were better. Mm -hmm. Like all the synthetic was better. Like that was how you got performance. Right. And I always think about it. I, and it was, it's so silly now that I think about it. It's like you, I mean, we've all had these moments around different things. Right. And for me, it was this moment of like, Oh, wait a second, April, like you were, what you were putting on your face is the equivalent of a meal replacement bar. Right. Mm, Yeah. When you could a meal replacement bar, right. That's been cooked up in a lab with all sorts of synthetic ingredients. It can sit on a shelf in a plastic wrapper for 25 years when you could be putting on your face, some beautifully prepared plate of food, right. That's been grown locally with the freshest, most organic ingredients. Like which one is going to service your body at a deeper level and bring about health and balance that's what I wanted for my skin. Yeah. Yeah. There was also, I think, and probably still is this perception that you have, have to have all these different products. Oh, right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. With those steps. Don't worry. Each one's it's in its own bottle. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yes. You have to have 15 different steps 
And I was also a new mom. And so Mm -hmm. for me, it was, okay, I don't want to compromise any performance. That's not what I'm here for. I want all the performance. I want all the bells and whistles and I want it in fewer steps. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you've narrowed it down to two. I've narrowed it down to two, but we don't have a cleanser. You still need a cleanser. I don't make an SPF. You need Mm -hmm. an SPF. So I make an essence and a serum. And so the essence is your hydration step. The serum is your moisture step. I think that is kind of the first place that people kind of their mind explodes because so oftentimes hydration and moisture are spoken about as if they are the same thing. Mm -hmm. They are different and your skin needs both. Hydration is water. Moisture is oil. Moisture is what maintains the water, maintains the hydration in your skin. Mm. And so a cream, a traditional cream is very simply an emulsion of water and oil. And what that does is that when they're mixed together already, it doesn't allow the water, the hydration portion to be able to sink into your skin deeply because our bodies are 65% plus water. A hydration product is able to sink into your skin deeper than a moisture product. And so I split them apart. And we have a distinct hydration step, which is able to go deep into your skin. That's our active treatment essence, followed by a distinct moisture step, which is able to maintain this like very radiant, glowy, plumping, firming, occlusive layer on top of the skin to protect the hydration. That is bananas because mom, you were just telling me. I know. Really? I was just, yes. I'll let her say it, but I'll just tell my perception. She was like, I'm having this weird thing where like, I feel like I have to put on water before I do my oil or it's like not working. Yeah. So I love the beautiful oil products from these wonderful plants and I love putting them on my face, but I constantly have the sensation like hours later, like say I put it on before I go to bed at night and then I wake up in the morning and my face feels kind of like paper, sort of like it didn't go in. Right. And it's frustrating. Okay. So there's a couple different things going on there. Yeah. One, there are different kinds of oil. So we call, we have, our oil is called active botanical serum. It's, we call it a serum because it penetrates the skin more deeply. It was designed to penetrate the skin more deeply. I think what you've been talking about are something called like a finishing oil, Mm. which is meant to go at the very end of your program, your routine to sort of to hold everything in. Right. Mm -hmm. And so in that case, you definitely want to have something ahead of it. Right. Cause it's only going to really, it's first of all, a lot of it's going to rub off because it's not going to sink into your skin and you, you need something ahead of it, whether that is a simple mist or something that's a more kind of more performance driven product, like an hour essence or active treatment essence. A routine is not a routine unless they have a moisture at the end, like a traditional cream moisture. Right. And so those people will apply essence, our active treatment essence, then they'll apply active botanical serum, and then they apply their cream. And so I always suggest that people, that active botanical serum really be used more as a serum. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's all I need from a moisture standpoint, but if you are really dry or to your point, it's winter or what have you, then you can even finish with one of those kind of finishing oils at the very end. So moisture is oil. Mm-hmm. hydration is water hydration, okay. hydration. so tell her that what you were telling me which is that you feel like it literally works better when you put water of course it does yes <laughs> i have been playing around with the the, the diy you know, skincare, because it's fun. And sometimes I'll hit on something that really works. And so recently I was playing around and I was, you know, looking up different recipes and stuff and ran across one that had, you're going to go, you're going to think like, oh, well, of course, but this one had water in it. And I thought, well, water, that's odd because water will have bacteria in it and it can go rancid. But anyway, I followed the recipe and 
it was 70% water and it had all these other oils and stuff in it. And I realized it made my face feel better. It actually did. And so it's exactly what you're saying. There was, in the recipe, it went into this thing about, uh, you know, you need an emulsifier so the water and oil will mix. And then mm-hmm. you also have to worry about it, you know, getting bacteria in it. And mm-hmm. you can need to keep it in your refrigerator and it'll last about a week and all that. So it gets pretty complicated and, and it makes you realize that all those creams and stuff out there, the lotions that we love so much and have come to crave, all those lotions that come in all those plastic jars and bottles and all that kind of stuff, you know, how much money have I in my lifetime spent on product after product to find the perfect one that makes my face feel like a queen and all that, just have all this stuff in them so that so they don't go bad. So it'll be all emulsified. It won't go bad and it'll have that creamy texture. So this is what I'm starting to learn is sometimes you have to pick and choose some of that stuff. Well, it, it's kind of a minefield out there, right? And yeah. there's so much that comes at you. I mean, more and more every day. Yes. And, and, you know, I mean, that is a big part of why I got into the skincare world is I've had that moment where I, you know, I saw behind the curtain and I realized how inexpensively and cheaply made the products were mm-hmm. and that they were spending more money on packaging and marketing than they were on what was inside. And that they were using words and marketing language to make me feel insecure and Mm, fearful in my skin, right? And none of that added up to like true beauty to me. And so I really wanted to create, you know, skincare that had this extraordinarily positive impact on your skin, on your life, on our world, and do it in a way that could really, you know, make you feel confident and radiant and beautiful and grateful in your skin Mm -hmm. versus have this like constant struggle. I think that's such a big piece of it, the messaging. And we've talked about this before on here, how, and you say you don't even have a cleanser, but there's, you know, this, now it's coming out that we've kind of over sanitized ourselves, particularly Mm -hmm. our bodies. (laughs) And this whole thing, like you got to clean your skin, clean your skin, you know, for how many years I'm I'm like in my sixties and like for 50 something of those years, there's been this emphasis on getting your face clean. Well, you know, maybe your face is naturally, you know, not that dirty. Maybe you just need a little water. Maybe you just need, you know, to just not soap, but maybe you don't need a whole product to clean. Regimen. Regimen. Maybe you're skin's like really okay you know the way it is with you have a a biodome on your face I guess and on all your skin would you say that's true well I mean here's the thing is I think people do a lot to their skin to interrupt it yeah right to interrupt to to not to to not amplify the skin's own powers of Mm -hmm. you know regeneration and brightening and all the things you wanted to do but to really kind of interrupt that and antagonize it, right? With cleansing, with acids, with just having 17 different steps. Yeah, I think there's a lot that people do in the name of skincare that is not super beneficial to skin. Yeah, and especially if you're prone to using a lot of cosmetics and stuff and you're putting all that stuff in your skin and then, you know, maybe you do need to (laughs) clean your skin in a special way, but it gets pretty complicated and it all has so much to do with, you know, commerce and marketing telling us these things we need because we are somehow not enough our beauty's not enough our bodies don't do a good enough job 
we need these products to help them along. Yeah, they need to fix something. Yeah, we need to fix something. They need to stop aging. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's one of my favorites. The stop aging is so always, I mean, we're very pro-aging at Vintner's Daughter. Mm-hmm. We don't use, we don't say anti-aging. We don't use it because I think that what is anti-aging? Yeah. We're all aging. Every single one of us are aging. If yeah. we're not aging, we're dead. Yeah, right? so <laughs> that's true. I'm very much in favor of aging. Aging's so great. we are, you know, right? Aging means you're doing something right. <laughs> yeah. The alternative is not that interesting. <laughs> so, you know, we always say that we're very pro-aging. Yeah. That's awesome. So all of these gazillions of brands out there all over the place, they always say they're offering the best skincare. Like this is the best. And there'll be testimonial after testimonial, you know, person, they tried this and it absolutely is the best. And so how can our listeners sift through all this, all these claims, mm-hmm. highest ingredient, yeah, care for the environment, so many labels, glowing results, glowing testimonials, vegan. Yeah. All these things like gluten-free. Can you help us sift through some of this stuff and like where, you know, where you guys stand on and I don't know, just talk about all that. And every company is going to have their own like battery of, of claims, so to speak. Yeah. You know, I can only talk about Vintner's Daughter and I can yeah. talk about it. Vintner's Daughter, we have very extreme standards. Like for it to wear a Vintner's Daughter label, a product has to live up to just very extreme standards of quality and performance and impact, right? This positive impact we want to have on your skin and your life in the world. And so we'd go about that in a very, you know, just really meticulous way. We've introduced two products in 10 years. We have two of the most kind of coveted and beloved and award-winning products. It's not as if we could not be introducing new product every four to five weeks. For us, yes, we are, listen, I mean, we are all the things that you said, right? I, mm-hmm. We are gluten-free. We are vegan. We're all the things, right? And for me, that is all table stakes. Like the way that, you know, having a positive impact on our customer skin in the world, like that is table stakes. And the rest of it for us is just having, again, just this extraordinarily positive impact. And we hope we can do that through how we source, where we source, the consciousness through which we source our raw materials, through which we make our product, the impact we have on our customer skin, you know, the language that we use, everything we do is very intentional. Mm-hmm. And so we want to make your next product just the opposite. Like we don't want to make your next product. We want to make your last product. Mm. Yeah. We want this to be the last face oil you ever buy, the last essence you ever buy because you have just fallen in love and you just married it for life. That would be nice. So talk to us about your ingredients. Yeah. And can you tell us a little bit about your sourcing? You know, the way that we make product is really unlike anyone else. And so we have this proprietary process. It's called our phytoradiance infusion. It's what sits at the heart of both of our products. Probably every product you've ever used is made in, I don't know, a couple hours or less. Every Vintner's Daughter product is made within, it takes about three weeks to make every single bottle. And that's because, again, we're not using extracts, we're not using powders, we're not using synthetics. We begin with whole plants. So some of the most nutrient-dense whole plants in the world. Mm. These were plants that were called the foods of life in ancient times. They're plants like alfalfa and dandelion and nettle because they have such an extraordinary uh, nutritional impact on Mm -hmm. the body, right? And they have all these incredible nutrients in the most perfect ratios. So we begin with these whole plants over the course of three weeks in this very temperature controlled, very gentle way. We capture all that nutrition, all those actives, and it's how we're able to create this conduit, this connection to the skin. It's how that analogy I gave before of a meal replacement bar versus a beautiful prepared plate of food, like that's what we're giving the skin. 
all of those nutrients from a beautifully prepared plate of food, right? With the freshest, most local organic ingredients. That's what's connecting to the skin and giving the skin everything it needs to be its very best, right? Mm -hmm. All the nutrients it needs to supercharge its own processes. The skin is extraordinary. As we, many people talk about, it's our largest organ. It is extraordinary, right? It is there to protect us and to be able to give it everything it needs so that it can operate at its kind of highest level is what we seek to do. It's like feeding your skin a really good salad. Yeah. (laughs) So where do these plants come from? Are you growing them in the Napa Valley? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. So, you know, I come from this wine world, right? And in winemaking, you may have spoken about this when you talk Mm -hmm. to the winemaker, we believe in something called terroir. So there's this idea, right? That where something is grown is as important as what it is. And so I believe in that. I believe that there are certain places in the world that grow particular plants better, right? And so to that end, we go around the world to find where that particular plant has grown best. You have the ideal conditions, you have kind of generations of learned knowledge to create raw materials that are simply, you know, for us more nutritionally robust. And that's what we're looking for. And so we, from a raw material standpoint, when we can find the very best locally, of course, that's what we do. But there are plants that we source around the world, like Bergamo from the heel of Italy, Cypress from Spain. We're finding the very best, highest quality, most nutritionally dense ingredients from conscious farmers. And that can be close to home or around the world. That must be some fun R&D for you. Do you get to travel around? So COVID now and before that, I had two little kids. Yeah. And so, yes, that would be, you know, I always think that that's going to happen. Like as soon as I get through this phase, I'm going to go get to do it. And then it's COVID. And as soon as this, you know. No, I don't know. It's, it's, I'm lucky that I have people that I've known for years that I trust who yeah. have relationships. And again, I bet that's a lot of that you're able to carry over from the winemaking and that world of just farmers and growers all over the world. Well, I think it's, it's one of those things that I have like a deep comfort in. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, agriculture is uncomfortable, right? Yeah. Like agriculture is you problematic. Know, up and down and all around. Right. And so I have like a deep comfort level Mm. in the uncomfortable. Right. I think. And I think it's also what really allows me to kind of stay my course in an industry that is very much driven by new, 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 new. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm very comfortable in that space of creating fewer and better. Right. Mm not just creating more for new sake. I'm very comfortable in the kind of fewer and better space. I think, you know, listen, we do everything there is to reduce our carbon output every year. Mm -hmm. Every year we work on it. Every year we lessen it. And the biggest thing we do is that we produce less. Yeah. That I don't introduce a new product every four months. Yeah, so that is so counter-cultural. Just that idea of, did you just say it, less and better? Counter-capitalist. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I said yeah. fewer, better. Fewer, better. Okay. Yeah, that sounds like in business school, they would say, no, you, that's not going to work. Yeah, that's work. like the opposite of what you're <laughs> supposed to do. Yeah, yeah, it's very revolutionary. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, meanwhile, it's very old world. Right, right? yeah. Meanwhile, like, I did not make this up. This is right, right, right. very old world, very, like, this is how, like, people used to care for themselves and their communities and our planet. Yeah. yeah. So, and if you don't have, like, specific stories, that's okay, too. But can you speak at all to, like, how hard that is? Oh, it's really hard. <laughs> to do that. And you've been doing this for over a decade now. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I just have to put blinders on because 
everyone introduces products every two minutes and it's really what gets you in magazines. It's what gets you placements. It's what kind of makes the wheel of capitalism mm-hmm. turn, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're constantly kind of like riding this fine line. And I've had retailers tell me straight to my face, oh, you only have one product or two products. We can't put you on our shelves. We don't even know what to do with that. So <gasps> my gosh, less today, but more like when I was first starting out, because no mm-hmm. one had ever done literally still today, no one has ever had a single product like we had for five years. It just doesn't exist in the luxury beauty world. And so no one knew how to talk about us. Again, we came out at a time when it was like this 15, 16 step skincare routine. (laughs) They didn't know how to merchandise us. They didn't know. I mean, it was kind of wild at the beginning. And I would have people say, well, we love this product, but call us back when you have five more. And I kind of look at them and I'd say, uh, like, that's not the deal. Like, that's not what's happening here. And so it was, you know, I think it took us a while for people to take us seriously. I'm constantly having to kind of recalibrate, frame. Yeah, reframe, recalibrate, but really more than anything, just like keep shining a light on that North Star, that mission. Yeah, yeah. Of fewer better. And the only reason we can do fewer better is because we are in fact making far better. I mean, this goes to that, you know, the question that you had, how do you know your products are better? Yeah. I mean, for me, I know they're better because of how we source. I know they're better because of the meticulousness through by which we formulate, right? Like we don't take shortcuts. We don't cut corners. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that is how I know. I mean, it's how I can make a product and feel confident and proud of it to wear a Vintner's Daughter label. And we are doing it completely differently. And who knows? I don't know. You may not want to talk to me again in a year. Who knows? (laughs) Well, I'm interested that you use the term old world because that brings to mind pre-industrial. Now, of course, you know, you have to use some industrialization to come out with your product and distribute it around. Well, we don't fill each bottle by hand anymore, which is nice. (laughs) <laughs> but you used to. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Amazing. But the idea being that in a pre-industrial economy, someone would have been made a product for the community and that would have been their lifetime thing, their contribution to the community, you know, like horseshoes or candles. Baskets. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it is sort of a, it is an old world approach mixed with some post-industrial aspects, but the concept in itself and the idea that, no, you don't have to keep adding stuff to survive, you know, or you're going to at least proceed differently under a different model. So that's very interesting. I call that slow living. Yeah. It's slow beauty, right? I mean, we say that we move at the speed of quality. Oh, I and love that, it. You know, <laughs> that's and good. And so we get questioned all the time about when's your next product? When's your next product? I mean, we've only ever had two products. And I remember we introduced our second product. And in the same conversation that I'm talking about the second product, I have somebody who asked me, when's your next product? And mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, oh my gosh, like this is so ingrained in mm-hmm. everyone. Like it's like new, 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 new. Like mm-hmm. it's not relevant unless it's new. And what that implies is that whatever you have is bad or no longer useful, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm really trying to kind of like flip this paradigm because again, like I want to create your last product, not your next. Mm -hmm. And I really want you to have the freedom from that constant searching or that constant fear or insecurity around skincare. I want you to have that freedom to say, oh, I've got what works for me. Like, this is what works for me. Thanks. I'm going to turn all y'all off. Mm-hmm. And here, here, I've got this because our skin's not changing, right? What feeds <laughs> our skin isn't changing. What's going to make our skin healthy and balanced and radiant isn't changing. Mm. We love paradigm flipping. Yeah. <laughs> it also reminds me of when we started Lady Farmer in the very beginning, we had some like, you know, we had no idea what we were doing. And so we were <laughs> lucky to have like some guidance along the way. People kind of 
popping in and giving us advice here and there mm-hmm. and helping us with certain aspects of it. And I feel like, I don't know if you remember this, Mom, but there was a general, like, more experienced business people than us who were, like, excited about what we were doing and about our product, which at first was the clothing. There was this urgency of, like, this needs to get to market before someone else has this idea. It was like, the faster you can get this to market, the better. And that made me so uncomfortable because I was like, wait, I don't know. And we didn't we didn't end up doing that, but I just thought that was an interesting yeah. mindset. And I think that is probably, like, how most of the world operates, people who produce things. Like, let's get it out there. So not only is it, what's the next thing the newest thing but like how fast can we do it oh right so that you can have something new right behind it yeah, yeah. there was also the pressure of like the new line when you know yeah the, the, the new next line the new line. season and and here we were yeah. you know like, oh, we're slow fashion <laughs> we're just, right. we can't do yeah. it every season and yeah. we didn't you know we, we sort of ended up going in other directions and we did and we did that one line and yeah so well i mean here's the thing it's super interesting right it's about like what's driving you what's your mission right. are you revenue driven mm-hmm in which case you would create a new line it's every true. three months or whatever it is in fashion. I don't know. It's every two weeks, maybe. In fashion. Yeah, yeah, every week. Literally every seasons. week. 52 seasons. Yeah, literally, right? Mm-hmm. 52 seasons. <laughs> and each season we become cheaper and cheaper and cheaper, mm-hmm. right? More cheaply made, more cheaply made, right? Because every season you'd have to figure out how to squeeze out a little bit more revenue, a little more profit margin, right? And that is a very traditional paradigm. I mean, that is what exists in the world today. And, you know, it's what I always say with Vintner's Daughter, like we're not revenue driven, we are skin driven. And that's not to say that we don't need revenue and we don't need to be profitable. We do, but it's not what gets us out of bed. What gets us out of bed is servicing mm-hmm. the skin yeah. of our customers. Yeah. I want to circle back. You were talking about some of your ingredients and I heard dandelion and nettle. Mm-hmm. And I just want to comment on that, that those are some, the two most like weeds, common yeah plants yeah. on that the we planet should spray with roundup yes and there's this entire talking about industry there's huge industry around destroying those things and they're also in i don't know about nettle but i would be willing to bet that dandelion is in every single person's backyard or if not it's certainly in a neighbor of your you know so it's right. just it's remarkable to me how wow just these plants that are just everywhere i mean and they're here to help Gracious, us but their tenacity is what makes them so yes so powerful yes in the same way that they're so tenacious it is exactly what makes them incredible for feeding our bodies they can grow anywhere Right. And they, and they're incredibly nutrient dense. Yes. They are self-reliant in terms of being able to, you know, without water, without sunshine, without all the things they can still thrive. And it's why they've been a staple since ancient times in some of the most healthy uh, civilizations. And not only do they survive anywhere, but if you know anything, if you delve into herbs or foraging or any of that kind of thing at all, those are the first two things you would hear about practically, or dandelion and nettle, you know. Yeah, it's true. I mean, listen, it's traditional medicine. Yes, yeah. hugely accessible, hugely nutrition dense. Yes, and ancient. Yeah, so I love this. This is amazing. I'm just curious, what are some other of your ingredients? So they're along the same lines. So we also use helichrysum. Mm-hmm. We use a type of a green tea leaf. We use ginkgo, we use some like frankincense, (gasps) yes, some really beautiful roots, astragalus, turmeric. I mean, we have, we, the, the things that we're using are things that, you know, have been researched and used literally since ancient times across cultures, whether it was Greek cultures or ancient Chinese medicine, they are ingredients that have been part of nutritional and medicinal studies for millennia. I love this. And it it, it fits so much into the 
I think, an awakening amongst, you know, some people, more and more people that some plants, lots and lots of plants just offer us so many gifts. And we don't need a lab, laboratory, to concoct things from synthetic materials to take care of ourselves. In some instances, maybe, you know, there's some advanced drugs that will treat some things, and I'm not knocking medicine, and all of that stuff is really good. But there's things out there in the natural world that are so powerful for us. And and this was once embraced by all of humanity, and I feel like... It did pretty well for a long time. It did, and... (laughs) We got here. (laughs) The understanding of that is beginning to creep back in, and I just love it that your product embraces those things, so... Well, I am part of a very long heritage, so I am standing on the shoulders of very great women Mm -hmm. and men who have kept these traditions, held these traditions, and taught those traditions. Yeah. I remember, you know, we've been very lucky. We've had everybody from Gwyneth Paltrow to Haley Bieber to Tracy Ellis Ross to Lady Gaga kind of name check Vintner's daughter and mention Vintner's daughter, right? We've been wow. very lucky. One of the most incredible emails I ever received was from a woman who I consider one of my mentors. Her name's Rosemary Gladstar. Yes. Right. Okay. So I got an email from Rosemary telling me how much that somehow she had came across Bittner's daughter and that she really, Oh my goodness. I mean, that to me was like, I was like, okay. And I've, we've made it, we've made it people, you no one, no, you know, like I just was, I couldn't even believe it. So that was like a really, that was a huge day for me. Yeah. For those of us listening, Rosemary Gladstar is a very well-known prominent herbalist of today and has been teaching for many years and since still teaching and written many books. And mm-hmm. that's you know, amazing. I personally have several of her books on my shelf. Oh, she's extraordinary. Yeah. And we've become friends now. And oh, so she is somebody who I'm wonderful. just like so lucky to know and that this community has really, it was something I didn't realize before I'd gotten into it is that like wellness, skincare, beauty, whatever you want to call what we're all here doing, it's really supportive. Like it's just an incredibly like supportive, nurturing community. I mean, there's always outliers. Yes, of course. But for the most part, it has been so supportive and it's just filled with so many incredibly passionate, smart, creative people. That's the feminine principle. It's not competitive. It's supportive. There's room for everybody. Yes. Collaboration, not competition. Yes. Mm -hmm. And there's so much abundance. Yeah. You know, there's a place for everybody to express their creativity and their ingenuity and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, we don't need to be afraid that someone else is going to take our spot. It's not going to happen. (laughs) I met Rosemary Gladstar. You're in California, so... Mm-hmm. You probably don't know this organization, but it's, it's called the Wise Women's Conference. And then there was a big Southeast section of it. And every year they had this big conference outside of Asheville, North Carolina. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if y'all had your own Wise Women's chapter. Well, there's a new thing called Spirit Weavers that I feel like must have come out of it. I bet it did okay. because they wound down even a, a year or two before COVID. They stopped having the conference and I really miss it. It was so fun. You should check out Spirit Weavers. Spirit Weavers. I will. It's in Southern Oregon. They didn't do it for a couple of years because of COVID, but they yeah. do it, um, I think, like twice a year. But it's it's a similar thing. Cool. Um, really about wisdom and sharing wisdom and yeah so I met her I took a course there and you know it was really nice kind of a smallish crowd under a tent and yeah just felt really neat and um I also have some friends that have done her herbalist course and all that stuff I wanted to get back to just real quick right at the end here back to paradigm shifting and the feminine principle and all of this that we're talking about I'm interested April in your sort of 
the way you see, like, how do you think it's all going? And, like, do you think <laughs> all of us that are fighting this fight together, you think we have any chance? <laughs> okay, so this is, you're, like, in my head. Because yeah. Because I think about this all the time. I think, how do I not let fear take the driver's seat, right? Because it's really easy to let that happen. And I think what works for me is that it's like, I just have to constantly remind myself of that North star, right? Yes. And that's kind of when you were saying that earlier in this conversation, that's what like really clicked in my head because it's kind of like, maybe that's the answer is like, maybe we just reevaluate what's driving us and like, yes, revenue and revenue is important to like keep going. But what if that's not the first thing? And for people like us, that's not obviously <laughs> the first thing. But I, but what if, like, what if some of these bigger, the people with more power and more money, do you think it's possible that we could bump revenue and profits down in priority in the world? Or are we just like so far beyond? I don't know. And like, what would take convincing? Because yeah. obviously there's a shift happening. Okay, so there's this really interesting book that, well, I found it to be interesting. It's called Buddhist Economics. Oh, wow. Do I have it right here? No, I don't have I thought I had it right next to me. It's a professor. She's a, prof a Berkeley professor, University of California, Berkeley professor. And I think it's fascinating. And, you know, I've studied, I've studied Buddhism for many years and I've studied it from kind of a personal level and, and never thought about how it applied to my business. But the reality is that like, that actually has been how I've been approaching the business mm -hmm. in a Buddhist way. And Buddhist economics talks about this idea of like, can there be an alternative? And I think this is what you're saying. Can yeah. there be an alternative to a free market economy, mm -hmm. a free market economy suggests that, and this goes back to Mary, what you were talking about suggests that like, there's a finite amount of resources. And mm -hmm. so if you get something, it means I get one less, yeah. right? And the Buddhist economics is suggesting that there's an alternative, right? And that it's the opposite. And so anyway, it's an interesting read. It's on the academic side, but Gosh, I, I think that. interesting read that answers that question in a much more articulate and erudite yeah. way than, than I am currently. And so would you say that sort of that guides you and then the mission of your company guides you and... I would even say like for you specifically, even like your terroir and your connection with the land, that's kind of your... I believe that a connection to nature is a connection to ourselves mm -hmm. and vice versa. And so if I can create products that help facilitate that connection to nature, then I feel like I have achieved everything, right? And so if I can create that connection through those products for people, and when they're applying Vintner's Daughter, they are having that moment of connection to nature, which again, I believe is a connection to ourselves. That is extraordinary. Yes. Awesome. So we are a brand that's all about slow living and we talk about sowing the seeds of slow living and that's kind of our guiding principle. And slow living can mean a lot of different things depending on who you're talking to and your life yeah. experience. So what does slow living mean to you? Slow living for me is about intentionality. I mean, for me, it's about the intentionality behind your day and your time and the products you use and the food you eat and the people you surround yourself and, and so on. And so ultimately for me, it's about intentionality. And, and I guess that intentionality is really about a prioritization and, and like laddering your words and actions to, to that prioritization. Did you read The Lady Farmer Guide to Slow Living? Because you just said like the whole first yeah. paragraph. <laughs> did I really? Yeah, you did. That's oh, like exactly. We're on the same page. I didn't know that. No, I don't. Literally I mean, I'm on the same page. <laughs> really? Oh my gosh. No, I didn't. But I'm, you know, great minds. And you're going to get one. We send. Yeah. You, so you'll time. get to see. Oh, good. <laughs> that's so funny. Like you just summed up the first paragraph. So that's, oh, that's great. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> 
So, April, what does the good dirt mean to you? And you can answer that literally or metaphorically. I have an idea what it means to you as a vintner's daughter, but can you speak to that question? The first thing that came up for me is terroir. I mean, we, yeah. we spoke about that, right? And this idea that where something grows is really important. And the, you know, the geography, the history, the learned knowledge of the community and the people is all really critical. So that was the first thing that came up to me or came up for me when you mentioned good dirt. Terroir, that's just the best word too. Yeah. This is a fun little bonus one. What's your favorite wine? If it's a well-made wine, and that's a big caveat, whatever is in my glass is my favorite wine. Okay. <laughs> and what does well-made mean for you? Yeah. Oh, I mean, that's a lot, right? I mean, I want, I, again, you know, I'm going to go back. It's about intentionality. I mean, I, I want a wine that is expressive of a particular place at a particular time, that specific grape. I mean, you know, my family's winery, Gargiulo Vineyards, it's in, it's in Oakville, Napa Valley. And we have this red rocky soil that, you know, we are currently stewards of. And for us, it, you know, it means that we want to make wines that are almost like time capsules, to that mm. particular place, that grape, that particular place, that particular time. And so that really important to me in a great wine expression. I want some red wine right now. Thank you. Yeah, it's time. <laughs> Six o'clock here. Yeah. I was going to say time for you guys. I don't, I think I still got a couple more hours. <laughs> so is there anything else that you want listeners to understand about what you're doing at Vintner's Daughter and, or just anything that you want to talk about before we close? I want your listeners to know that whatever they're doing is wonderful and beautiful and amazing. Good. I mean, that's ultimately it. I think there's so much of what we're told every day is that whatever, again, this hegemony of new, the meaning that whatever is old, Whatever you've been using, not good. You need to get on with the new. Yeah. So that is it. We're all perfect right now, right this minute. Oh, that's so helpful. Especially even on this podcast too, I feel like a lot of our work, you know, is kind of educating people about how like bad stuff is. <laughs> that right. gets like old too. It's like we're here, we're in the business of like educating people to, to make healthy choices for the planet and for themselves, not making people feel bad. Right. So right. I appreciate you saying that. And we are where we are. And that's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, exactly. April. Oh, thank you, ladies, so much. It, this, is, this is really fun. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for being with us today. It was wonderful. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Good Dirt Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we hope you'll share it with a friend to spread the good dirt. This show is produced by Lady Farmer, a slow living lifestyle community. And the original music is composed and performed by John Kingsley. For more from Lady Farmer, follow us on Instagram at WeAreLadyFarmer. That's WeAreLadyFarmer. Or join us online at www.ladyfarmer.com. We'll see you next time on the good dirt. Goodbye. Goodbye.